Well, good morning. How are we doing today? All right. Well, I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you guys are here. My name is Sean Lee. I'm the lead pastor here. For those of you joining us online, it's so good to have you as well. I, it's, it's fun to hear the stories of people watching online because people come here and be like, yeah, we've been watching online for months. And it's like, I just, it just feels weird, right? You, I, I know you probably don't think of it that way, but I'm sitting here talking and then someone's like, yeah, we've been watching you. And it's like, I don't know, it just feels weird. Uh, but I'm glad that you guys are able to watch online. And uh, my wife is actually home today with a sick child. So Bethany, I'm sorry that you can't be with us. Uh, but that's one great thing about being able to stream live, right? We can be sick and still watch and feel somewhat connected even when we are not here in person. I do want to highlight real quick. So you guys, uh, if you were paying attention to the video, Monster Mash is coming up at the end of the month, Sunday, the 30th. Um, this is an event that we've done a couple times now. Um, it was an event that we did even before we launched as a church. Um, and it was a way for us to just kind of let the community know that we're here and we wanted to engage with them and be involved. And, um, and then obviously during the pandemic after we launched, we, we didn't do it that year. And then last year we did it uh, and we're doing it again this year. And so some of you have not really been around long enough to have experienced a monster mash. But this is just a way for us as a church to let the community know that we're here, we care about them, we want to do fun stuff with them, uh, and it's a great opportunity for you to be involved in uh, working together with the church and doing some fun stuff together. So if you haven't signed up, there's a sign up out in the lobby. Uh, we're also collecting candy. If you can't be there or uh, you don't want to help for some reason, you can bring in candy. Uh, we can use all the candy we can get. We had, I think, almost 400 people, if not more, come through last year, which was crazy. Um, and we never know. It's like we never know what the attendance is going to be like. But uh, I, I love hearing the stories of people getting to know, like, oh, I didn't know you before, and I got to help, and you get to meet people. And it's just a really great way for us as a church to, uh, to do something together. So I encourage you, uh, go sign up. If you have questions, let us know. Uh, Chrissy Bontrager, uh, is, she heads up a lot of this stuff. She oversees a lot of the uh, children's ministry areas. So if you have questions, she would probably be a great person to reach out to as well. But whatever you need, um, we'd love for you to be involved in that. Um, where is my mind? Um, what are the things that you are thinking about? What are the things that you, what is, what is going into your mind? And I think that the thing is, it, when you start digging into like that level of like who you are, it can feel very vulnerable because you, you know, you, you just go through your day-to-day -day life and you go, you get in your, your routines and, and you're just going, and you don't really even think about, you know, what you're thinking about. You, 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 you don't, really work through why you're doing what you're doing or how you feel. And it can, it can feel vulnerable because sometimes if we actually think about those sort of things, we don't like what we see. There's things about us that we don't like. There's things about us that we're like, oh, I wish I wasn't like that. I wish I didn't deal with that. I wish I didn't think about that. And so we've, we've set up defense, defense mechanisms. We've set up ways to stay busy and to block out that, that level so I don't have to, have to deal with it. And again, it can, feel, it can feel very, very vulnerable and it can be a place that just feels uncomfortable. And we don't we don't like that. We like to be comfortable. We like to, be, to feel safe and protected. Uh, and so this week, we're going to continue to work into this where's my mind question. If you are newer with us, you probably at this point don't know about us and doing our car videos. Every week, the pastors, we get together and we hop in the car, we set up some GoPros, and we begin to talk about the message for today. So we're going to hop into the video and see what we talk about. 
feeling very vulnerable today, and I don't know where to go with that, but okay, I feel vulnerable. Well, we should definitely film it. <laughs> what is what does it mean to be vulnerable? Like, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're digging it, into it, you know, yeah, this is a good. I, no, I like this. I think being vulnerable is actually being putting down all the fake walls. <laughs> it's like, or putting down the defense mechanisms. Yeah. It's taking down those uh, protective measures that we we put up. Yeah. Almost getting more to a, a true state of who you are. Yeah. I mean, we talked about authenticity yeah. uh, last week. You know? Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But <laughs> it certainly uh, will help you be more authentic. Uh, when you're being vulnerable because you got yeah. nothing to hide behind right mm-hmm. you talk about a safe place to, to be vulnerable that happens within a relationship mm-hmm. and that relationship has to be one mutual right where, where there's a, a, a balance of trust yeah between both of you but then it, and it also has to be proven over time yeah yeah you, you know I don't, I don't just walk up to a stranger and say, oh, you look like, you know, I can trust you. you Here's all my problems. You look like a very trustworthy person. I, I've, I've seen that happen. Well, <laughs> how'd that work out? <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that's the thing, is it the, the safe space is a relational space. And and choosing those is hard. Yeah. You know, there's a danger of oversharing. You can actually do, right. more, you can do damage to people by oversharing, yeah. and not giving the right context and right. All, right. all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that's a delicate balance. Um, it's right because we, it's like, yeah, you know, we're all broken people and yeah, we have stuff, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. uh, but you don't maybe share all of your brokenness <laughs> with a five-year-old for instance and some yeah. people are five years old or someone who's the, you just emotionally met, or, emotionally yeah, yeah. extreme but and and the thing is is god knows the heart a lot of people have gone through you know pretty rough things yeah. and their movement uh is really significant but yet it looks like it's that big to you right you know and and yeah. and, and what does that say about us when we put ourselves in that place of judgment, right? Yeah. But I need to hold them accountable. <laughs> but that's the struggle, right? Yes. Of, of, you know, vulnerability and accountability is, there's two sides to that. Being right. vulnerable and being the one who's holding someone accountable, they both still beg the question, am I doing it within the context of being submitted to God? Yes, yes. Well, yeah, yeah. where's your mind? Yes. In, in both, I think in yes. both places, because yep. both the... the the vulnerable place and the accountability place, mm-hmm. uh, it it forces a humble posture mm-hmm. yes. and also one that is hopefully in tune with the Holy Spirit and, and what God is uh, asking of, of both parties. Right. It's amazing how much like pop psychology um, is like a, it's like the TV movie version of of a great book, right? It's like, there's a lot of really strong uh, foundational things that are biblical Mm. that you can find echoes of in pop psychology, right? Mm. Uh, You know, being authentic, being vulnerable, uh, working through your issues and and, and how you view other people and how you view yourself and identity, all of these things. And Scripture speaks to all of this right. on a much, much deeper level. That's yeah. not to say that you shouldn't see a therapist or whatever. There are there are good spaces with that. Yeah. Can be bad spaces too. 
But, you know, if we dig in, well, in this series, we're talking about where is my mind, everything points to my relationship with God. This, mm-hmm. this, who is defining me? Yes. Is it God or is it the world? Yeah. Yeah. So today we are going to ask the question, where is my mind when I've missed the mark? Where is my mind when I've missed the mark? There's one thing that, um, that's common for everyone in this room. We've missed the mark. What does that actually mean, though? I'm not talking about just making a bad decision or choosing the wrong job. or It, it goes much deeper than that. In Romans 3.23, we see a foundational verse that reads that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I say it's foundational because if, if you don't believe that, then the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is meaningless to you. If you don't believe that, that, that you have a need, then, then you have no need for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we believe that God is the one who has set this standard of, of righteousness. When I say righteousness, that may seem like a big word. It may, basically means right relationship with God. God has set what is that right relationship with him. And, and we have fallen short of that. We've, we do it on a, a daily basis. And so it comes down to we as people, we sin, you guys hear the word sin in church before or some religious circle? We sin. But what does that actually mean? And so in the New Testament, there is um, a, a Greek word that is most commonly used for sin, and it's the word hamartia. And it basically means to miss the mark. When you see this word sin, it's usually the Greek is hamartia. It means to miss the mark. We have missed the mark. If God has set this perfection, this, this righteousness, anything less than that is missing the mark. Anything less than that is a sin. And it's not necessarily graded on a scale. If I have a, a bullseye up here and you don't hit the bullseye, you've missed the mark. I don't care if you're a centimeter from it or if you missed the whole board, you missed the mark. And that's, and that's what we see in Scripture. We have missed the mark. Back to the Romans verse. All have sinned. All have fallen short. All have missed the mark. And unfortunately, we are prone to do this. Ever since the original sin of Adam and Eve, we are now dealing with the effects of what they did. They are, we are now dealing with the fact that they chose to trust themselves. They, tr- they chose to do something in their own power and now we're living with that. And it's a daily struggle, right? The struggle is real. We feel it every day, the, the struggle to be selfish, the struggle to, to hold on to power, to grab, to be about me. And we, and we do that. I, I don't think many of us would fight against the fact that we miss the mark. I, if, when I'm confronted with my own shortcomings, it's very humbling. As, as hard as it is to believe, Pastor Sean sins. I know, don't, don't get surprised. Let's, don't walk out. <laughs> I sin. I fall short. I miss the mark. 
just like everybody else in this room. And it's, it's similar to, uh, to Paul in Romans 7. He says, for I do the good, for I do not do the good that I want to do, but instead the evil I do not want to do. And he has this whole, his, this whole paragraph where he's talking about, like, I want to do this good stuff, but I don't. I do the evil, I sin in the ways that I don't want to do, and then I continue doing that. I'm fighting this, this urge. In Scripture, you talk about your, the new self, your new life, and this old man. This old man is, is, is burdened with the sin it's burdened with missing the mark, and yet in Christ, we've been made new. We have this new life, this life being led by the Holy Spirit, and so we're in this tension all the time of doing the things we say we don't want to do and not doing the things that we want to do. So what do we do about this sin issue? What do we do about this, this place of missing the mark, of not reaching the standard that God has set? I want to tell you a story uh, that starts in 2 Samuel chapter 11. Many of you may be familiar with this. Uh, it's a story of King David. And in this story, uh, King David sees a beautiful woman named Bathsheba. He's, he's, out, he's out on his balcony, and he looks, and she's, he sees her bathing. And he, he wants her. So he goes, and he sleeps with her, goes and gets her pregnant. And during this time, he sees that she gets, he gets her pregnant, so now he's trying to cover up his, his sin. He's trying to cover up what he's done, and so he, he calls Bathsheba's husband back from the war, which he should have actually been out at, but he calls him back out, and, he's, and he, he tries to get him to sleep with his wife so that, you know, it'll look like everything's kosher and nobody will know what he did. Well, Uriah is the name of the husband. He's a, a good soldier, so he actually doesn't even know. He's like, all my fellow people are out in the war. How dare I be at home with my wife? And, and so he literally like st stays away from his wife. And, and of course, this makes David mad. And he's like, oh, what? So he tries to get him drunk and then get him to go back in. And he still doesn't sleep with his wife. And so he ends up sending Uriah to the front lines of the war to be killed. How, how many of us have done anything to that level? I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy. Starting with the one, he sees something he wants, he takes something he wants, and then he continues to, I mean, it's the thing, we see him make a really bad decision, but the, in, the issues start to compound as he works to hide his sin. He was, he was trying to be self-protective. And what happens when we are self-protective is we tend to then hurt other people around us. And unfortunately, it's, it's easier to see this happening when we're the ones who are being hurt rather than the ones who are being self-protecting. I'm sure you have those relationships where there's someone who's trying to be self-protective and you're the one who's taking the brunt of that and they, they don't even notice because they don't want to be, be seen for what they are or they don't want to take accountability for what they have done. And like David, we can fall into the same trap when our minds are so focused on keeping an image or on covering our mistakes, we not only hurt ourselves and those around us, but we miss out on the healing that God has for us because we're so worried about covering up that, that part of us, the thing that we did. And this is where vulnerability comes into play. M many people think 
that vulnerability is, is weakness. Um, but it's actually the opposite. There's a, a lady by the name of Brene Brown, you may have heard of her. She is well known for her studies in shame and vulnerability. And she says this, she says, when we think of times that we have felt vulnerable or emotionally exposed, we are actually recalling times of great courage. It's very courageous to expose yourself at that level, to put yourself forward at that level. It's no small thing to open up and be honest with what's happened, with who you are, with what you've done. And I think one of the reasons it can be so difficult is because we begin to identify ourselves as the mistake that we made. We, we don't just see the mistake as something we've done. We let it corrupt our whole identity. I didn't lie. I'm a liar. Right? I didn't cheat. I'm a cheater. And so now these shortcomings, these issues, these problems that we've had, these mistakes that we've made, it's not that I just, I did that, it's now I've become that. And we start to live out of that identity. We start to live out of the, I'm a screw up. I'm a failure. Instead of, I made a mistake, or I, I did this. And what's crazy about the David story here is He's seemingly so stuck in his sin that he doesn't even recognize the devastation that he's causing. He's not even to the point where he's recognizing that he's messed up. He's just so much about protecting himself or trying to get rid of what's happened that he's missing the devastation. He's just missing it. And I'm sure there's people in our lives that have done that to us where they don't even see what they're doing. They're so caught up in that, that they don't even notice the pain and the hurt and the aftermath of what they've done. So let's continue on in that story. We have 2 Samuel 11, which basically is the whole story of what David did from top to bottom. And then right at the beginning of chapter 12, we see this happen. It says, the Lord sent Nathan to David. Nathan was a prophet of that time. He says, when he came to him, he said, there was two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that had belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. Now, if we're honest, the events in this story are not the most easy to relate to, right? Having a prophet come to you, being a king. I mean, I don't, any kings in the room? <laughs> Sending someone off to, to war. 
I don't have that kind of power. But if we, if we look at the bigger picture, there's some themes that pop out to me. And the first theme that I, that I want to talk about is that healthy community provides healthy accountability. David need called out. He needed approached. And so I ask us, who are we surrounding ourselves with? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Are you surrounded by yes people? Are you surrounded with people who are going to tell you what you want to hear? Or are you going to surround yourself with people who might say something hard to you sometimes? Your Christian walk was not meant to be done alone. We grow in community. We're encouraged in community. It's important to be in community. And I think a lost part of healthy community is accountability. I think, I was thinking about this, when you think about accountability, if your mind first goes to the fact that you have somebody that you need to keep accountable, you might be missing the point. If when I talk about accountability, all you can think about is the fact that you need to hold someone else accountable for something that they've done, you might be missing the point. David actually gives us a good look into this very thing, right? He's given a story that Nathan says, and he burns with anger. He's like, oh, he's going to pay for what he did. He's going to pay. All the while missing, like, do you realize what you just did? You slept with a woman who wasn't your own. You conceived a child. You tried to cover it up. You had a man killed. And you're worried about a lamb? Like, What's, what's crazy is, like, even in that time with the laws and everything, like, if that guy would have done it, they wouldn't have had, like, repercussions like that. And yet something that actually had repercussions in killing somebody and sleeping with someone else's wife, you're, like, seemingly oblivious to. You are that man. You are that man. How many times are we so worried about what somebody else is doing that we miss what's happening in our heart? that we miss what we're doing, that we miss the repercussions of our decisions and our sins. And we can become so blinded that we miss it. The, the, the church, unfortunately, is, is really <laughs> bad at this. We're really good at telling what other people are doing wrong. Oh, they, they shouldn't be doing that. That's wrong. How dare they do that? And yet, we're not looking at ourselves. We're not starting with ourselves and where our heart is and where, where we are calloused and where we are missing the mark. And then what's, what's beautiful in this story, Nathan says this, calls him out, and then it's in verse 13 in chapter 12. Nathan finally gets this out of David, and David realizes, he says, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. He finally confesses. He finally opens up to what he has done. There's still consequences, still repercussions, but not necessarily what he deserved. And I think about this, this community piece. 
this being willing to be in, in a community of people who are there to encourage and call you out and things like that. And, and again, this is, it's somewhat tough because we don't have prophets in the same way there was in the Old Testament that heard from God to come and speak to one of us. But I think about this, when, when asking where's your mind, where's your mind when you have screwed up, when you've sinned, when you've fallen short? Where's your mind when somebody comes to you with something that you have done that hurt them? Are you able to hear? Are you able to listen? Are you able to grow from it? This is my final encouragement for us today as we've worked through this, working through the fact that we sin, we fall short, we have needs. It's important to be around people that are going to speak into your life or are going to call you out or hold you accountable. But then my final encouragement today is make confession and repentance normal. I, it, maybe it's just me, but when I'm thinking about this, like confession and repentance, it seems so like heavy and it feels like, oh, I, and we also live in a society where I feel like we've, we've tried to make, like we try to excuse our sin, like we try to excuse when we mess up, like, oh, whatever, like, and we've made like confession or repentance this kind of weird, this weird place, this weird thing, and yet it's so foundational to our faith. Sometimes we see these even as the same thing, confession and repentance. Confession is, is purely just speaking truth. Are you speaking truth? And repentance, like I've said this before, repentance is actually, it's, it's turning away. If, if you're doing something, repentance is turning. And so when we confess, we are speaking truth, we are speaking something that we believe, and then when we repent, we turn, and we walk away. We, we go in a different direction. And I think some of us, like, we, we don't even realize how important this is for us, how important it is for our hearts, how important it is for our minds to speak the truth. God, I have missed the mark. I have not reached your level of righteousness, your level of correctness, of goodness. I need you. When's the last time you've told God that you need him? When's the last time you've thought about that? When's the last time you've acknowledged something in your life that isn't healthy for you, that isn't loving to God, that isn't loving to others, and that you need to repent from, that you need to turn from? Repentance isn't like getting beat on the back or having some bad thing happen to you because of something you, bad you did. It's turning away. What do you need to turn away from? What do you need to confess? David, it's like in this story, David is so blinded. He needed a story like that with a, a lamb. Thank God for the wisdom of Nathan. But it's like, you would think, this is David in scripture, man after God's own heart, doing this. Like, man, I'm, I'm actually doing pretty good. I have not done that before. And, and this was a man after God's own heart. And he was blinded because of his selfishness and pride and ego. And it finally came down to, I, I am that man. I have sinned against God. 
Where is our mind when we've missed the mark? Are we stuck in denial? Are we stuck in shame? Are we hiding? Are we fighting to cover it up? If this is something that's normal, that sounds weird, but if this is something that we fight every day, why are we not more commonly confessing and repenting? Why are we not talking to our brothers and sisters who are close to us that can hold us accountable? Why are we not bringing them in to help us? It, it seems weird, you know? It, it, it is vulnerable because you feel like, well, I'm going to screw up. I've, I, I don't like that. I don't like feeling like I've done something wrong. But yet there's so much freedom and healing in the confession and the repentance. In Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16, we see this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The word confidence. How many times have you had confidence confessing? But yet we have a good God who loves us. We have Jesus who, who died and rose again because of this. He knew we couldn't do it. Again, this is, this is the core of our faith. We cannot do this on our own. We have a need. You can try and be as good as you want. You are still going to miss the mark. We need Jesus. And here, let us approach with confidence, God's grace. There's some of us in here who are still in hiding. There's some of us in here who are still in denial. And God's like, you're imprisoning yourself. Confess it. Repent. Turn. It's the beauty of the salvation in which we talk about. Jesus paid the price so that we don't have to. Sin does not have that power over us. I know we don't like to talk about sin. It's like, feels icky, but it's like, when, when you don't embrace this truth, you cheapen the gospel. You cheapen the good news of what Jesus did on the cross. That is what we believe. That is the foundation of our faith. And if, if you have never taken that step of putting your faith in Jesus Christ, now is as good a time as any. Maybe you're watching, maybe you're here, and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. This is the core of the gospel. Gospel meaning good news. I have sinned, I have fallen short. I cannot repay it on my own. I cannot do enough good. I cannot try hard enough. And that is the beauty of the grace of Jesus Christ. 
We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We talk about our salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. Christ raised from the dead, you will be saved. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a prayer and basically confess those things. If you've never said that prayer before, if you want to uh, put your faith in Jesus Christ today, this is a perfect time to do it. Again, whether you're here in person or watching online, being a Christian doesn't mean you're perfect. Being a Christian doesn't mean you're never going to screw up. Being a Christian doesn't make you better, worse than anybody else. It's saying that I have a need that I can't fill on my own, and I believe in a good God who gives me grace because of what he did. So I'm going to I'm going to say a prayer, and I would just like you to repeat after me. Everybody in the room, this is if you've never said it before, this can be your first time. If you if you are a Christian and put your faith in Jesus Christ, this is just another time to confess a confession of truth in who He is. So let's bow our heads and let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your sacrifice. We celebrate your resurrection. I confess you as Savior. I confess you as Lord. Lead me by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm thankful that when I fall short, I'm not condemned. And I think that we all need to be asking the question, when we do fall short, where is my mind? Am I going to confidence in Jesus? Or am I trying to hide? Am I trying to self-protect? Where is my mind when I fall short? Where is my mind when I miss the mark? One of the key verses for this series was Colossians 3. It says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And so I'd encourage us today, this week, when you're faced with your sin, when you're faced with missing the mark, when you're faced with somebody else's sin or someone else's missing the mark, where is your mind? Are you thinking of heavenly things? Are you thinking of things above? I'm going to ask you to stand and join us. We're going to continue in a time of worship. Team, you guys, oh, you're already on. Awesome. But please stand and join us. The song we're about to sing is called Waymaker, and um, we serve a, a good God who is, who is very, very strong and powerful. And these times of, of worship together is a great time to express what we believe. It's a time to hear a cool song or hear music or whatever, but I encourage you, wherever you are today, in this time as we're singing, think about who you think God is, who he is to you, and set our minds on things above. Let's continue in this time. Worship.